This is Michelle. And I am Maddie. And this is Unsolved South, where we talk about mysteries, strange disappearances, and unsolved cases from the southern USA. Hey, we're back again. Hi. All right, so what do you got for me today? Oh, this one's got a crazy twist. Oh, I love twists. Okay, so this is the story of Joan Gay Croft. Okay, this story is going to be a little bit different because there's a lot of scene set up. The scene plays such an important role in this case, so you got to follow me here, all right? All right, I'm ready. Okay, on the afternoon of April 9th, 1947, the skies darkened as a large tornadic supercell thunderstorm began forming over the panhandle of Texas. It would go on to produce at least six tornadoes that would cut a 220-mile path through three states. One particularly violent tornado at F5 on the Fujita scale formed near Canadian, Texas. This tornado moving forward at around 50 mile per hour was almost two miles wide and it stayed on the ground continuously for 98 miles, leaving in its path a wake of death and destruction. Yet it saved plenty of carnage for its next stop, the sleepy town of Woodward, Oklahoma. Due to a recent telephone operator strike, and the storm arriving at almost 9 p.m., the people of Woodward tragically had little to no warning. When the storm finally passed, it left a rain of fires and confusion behind. Over a hundred city blocks were leveled. Thousands of homes and businesses were destroyed. 107 people were killed and thousands more injured. To this day, it is known as the deadliest tornado to ever hit Oklahoma. Among the dead and injured were the Croft family. When neighbors dug through their decimated home, they found the mother, 26-year-old Cleta May Croft, had been crushed under a wall in the kitchen. They found the father, 42-year-old Hutchinson Olin Croft, critically injured and they immediately transferred him to the hospital in a neighboring town. One daughter, four-year-old Joan Gaycroft, had been impaled through her leg by a pencil-sized piece of wood. Another daughter, eight-year-old Jerry Croft, thankfully only had cuts and bruises. The girls, being assessed with non-life-threatening injuries, were sent to the local hospital to shelter until Joan Gay could be treated for her injuries. The night of the tornado, Cleta's Aunt Ruth went to the hospital with her own daughter, Marvella, to search for family members. The hospital, as you can imagine, was chaotic, with dead and injured lining the halls. They did manage to find some other family members, including Ruth's mother and brother, but they were met with the news that both Cleta and Olin had been found dead in their home. But the two girls were safe and in a ward that had been set up in the hospital's basement. And knowing that she would be taking the girls into her home, but feeling like for the time being they were safe and she would be more helpful elsewhere, 
Ruth left for a neighboring hospital to help with the injured. When she returned the next day to retrieve the girls, Jerry was alone. She asked Jerry where Joan Gay was, and Jerry said two men in uniform had taken her during the night. Ruth rushed to find a nurse who confirmed that, in fact, two men in khaki military-style uniforms had shown up during the night and asked for the Croft children by name. They told the nurses that they had been sent to take Joan Gay to another hospital where she would be treated for her injuries. The nurses, knowing that their hospital was so overwhelmed and that Joan Gay's leg had not yet been treated, didn't question their story. Aunt Ruth starts to contact other hospitals, giving a description of the little girl. Joan Gay was a chunky little four-year-old white female, three and a half foot tall, about 42 pounds. She had strawberry blonde hair and cornflower blue eyes, but no one she contacted had a child matching that description in their care. No one. She contacted the police and they started helping with the search. As the search grew and word spread, Ruth was contacted by the local mortician. The bodies of three unidentified little girls had been found in the aftermath. The girls' approximate ages were eight months, 12 years, and four years. The mortician told Ruth that the four-year-old matched Joan Gay's description. Ruth went in to view the body, and although the little angel did resemble Joan Gay, Ruth was positive it wasn't her great-niece. The police were not so sure. They contacted teachers and neighbors to come in and also look at the body, and they all agreed it, it was not Joan Gay. And just as a side note, these three little girls were never identified. It's theorized that either their families were also killed in the tornado and it left nobody to claim them, or that they had actually been picked up from another town by the tornado and deposited oh my goodness. into Woodward. So they were actually buried in the Woodward Cemetery as unclaimed little girls. Oh. So that's just a little side note. The FBI joined the search and Olin, who it turned out was alive, but was very injured, also joined the search as soon as he was physically able to. But no trace of Joan Gay was ever found and there was never a clue to the identity of the men who took her. Really? Just two random men showed up at the hospital, asked for them by name. And just left with Walked them. out with her. And she was never seen again. Okay, so I had a little trouble following. So they only took the one kid? Right. They came in and they asked the nurses where the Croft children were. They asked about name. both Croft children. They asked about the Croft children, according to the nurse. Gotcha. Because remember, this hospital is mass chaos. Right. And they actually had set up a ward in the basement of the hospital. Right. So, and that's where these kids were. And so, they came in, they asked the nurse where the Croft children were, and told the nurse that they were there to get Joan Gay 
and take her to another hospital to be treated for her injuries. But they didn't want the other kid. They did not take her. But remember, Jerry, the other sister, Mm -hmm. was not injured. She just had scrapes and bruises. She was not injured. Right. But Joan Gay had been impaled by a piece of wood in the leg. Right. So she actually was injured. So these men came into the hospital. They knew that both the children were there. Right. And that Joan Gay was injured. Right. So without seeing Joan Gay first. Right. They asked where the Croft children were, according to the nurse. Gotcha. So they did have information when they walked into the hospital. Right. So, when Aunt Ruth gets there, she asks the eight-year-old, Jerry, she's like, where's Joan Gay? She's assuming that Joan Gay went to get treatment for her leg. Because at this point, it's the next day, they still haven't gotten to treat this little girl's leg. Right. And so, she's like, where is Joan Gay? And Jerry's like, oh, two dudes took her. So... And from the nurse's standpoint, the men walked in, and there was there was military helping with cleanup. Like I said, this was the worst tornado right. in the history of Oklahoma. So, you know, even by today's standards, it was a terrible tornado. Right. So, they were just overwhelmed, and the men did walk in, asked for these children by name, knew that Joan Gay had been injured and had a plausible story that they were to move her to another hospital to get treatment. But they didn't say which hospital. No. Not that the nurse could remember? Not that that they mentioned. Not that the nurse mentioned. So, um... And just to clarify, the mom and the dad are still alive but very injured. No, the mother was found crushed to death under the kitchen wall. Gotcha. That's what did I you thought. To I did. Okay, so that's what I thought happened, and then I got confused with the names. Okay. So the mother's name is Cleta May. Cleta May. Okay, that's where I messed up because I thought the mom's name was Jerry, but that's the sister's that's the name. Eight-year-old. Gotcha. Okay. Cleta May is the mom. Right. Um, she was in her twenties. Yes. And she she's was my found, age. Yes, she was found crushed to death. In the kitchen of the house. Right. And Olin is the father. He's in his 40s. That's my age. Yes. And That's he, so weird. He was very injured. Mm. He was critically injured. And so they took him to another hospital to, immediately to be treated. Okay, but when Ruth comes in looking for her family members, because the whole town's been decimated. Mm. So, she's coming in looking for family members, trying to figure out where everybody is. Ruth is told that both Olin and Cleta May had died. But Olin was alive. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But for a while, people did think that both these children had been orphaned. So, you know, that, that may play into theories. Ruth knew that she was going to take these kids in. You know, there was so much chaos and so many people hurt that she felt like, you know, these kids are safe. They're in the hospital. You know, there's doctors, there's nurses. They're not alone. 
they're in a safe spot. You know, if they have any medical issues, they're right here in the hospital. I can go help other people that are hurt and then come back for these kids. Right. And so, I mean, it makes sense that she would do that. And she wouldn't be able to take Joan Gay out of the hospital anyways because of her injury. She still had not been She treated. could take Jerry, but Correct. not the other one. So that catch you up? Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. No, it's... <laughs> it was, I was a little confused. If you're confused, other people might be too, so... Okay, so the FBI joined the search... The FBI joined in the search, and Olin, who it turned out was alive, but um, was very injured, also joined the search as soon as he was physically able to. But no trace of Joan Gay was ever found, and there was never a clue to the identity of the two men that took her. Now, Olin went on to remarry three months after the tornado. What? But authorities never suspected him of having anything to do with his daughter's disappearance. Well, yeah, I don't think so either. But let's just point out the strange things here. Okay, so he was critically injured. Yes. And so it probably took weeks, if not months, to recover. It took weeks, yes. Before he was able to join in the search. And then three months later, after the tornado... After the tornado, not after... Not after his recovery, but after the tornado, he was remarried. remarried. Not even just in a new relationship, he was remarried. Does it say who he remarried to? Um, Yes, but I I didn't write down her name because I didn't feel like it was pertinent to the story. But was it like a nurse or something that was in the hospital? That I don't know. But it was somebody more age-appropriate. Yeah. If that helps at all. Well, I mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I have a ton of theories, but I'm curious. What are your theories? Well, I don't really know because, you know, it's more plausible for kids to go missing from, you know, being sucked up in a tornado and, you know, placed somewhere else like the three kids that mm-hmm. were in the morgue than it is for two men in military uniforms to just take them. And they just are never heard from again. Oh, yeah, that caught me completely off guard. I was like, wait, what? Uh, You know, you kind of expect them to be misplaced or something. Maybe in the chaos, they wandered off. But to be taken from a hospital by two men, that that was out there. It it was a new one for me. Yeah. Okay, so if you don't have theories, here are some of mine. First theory being that the men were actually military who were sent to help, but she was misplaced by the government. Right. Now, this was in the 40s. So, you know, the government doesn't have a great track record. (laughs) So, you know, this isn't that far-fetched of a theory. You know, trust the government or not. I'm just saying it's, it's happened. Right. So, you know, it is possible because they did have information. They didn't just walk in and be like, hey, you got any kids? Any unclean kids? Let me check them out. I mean, they knew their names. They knew about the injury. So, that is possible. Right. They literally were in the military 
and they took her somewhere and took her to the wrong spot and the government didn't know what happened to her and so you know there was that well yeah and on top of that maybe they took her to another hospital and left to do something else and the kid is only four right could be traumatized and you know not speaking nonverbal, you know and or not having much information about where she was from and she wouldn't be able to help out. And, you know, these people are gone already trying to help somebody else. So, maybe she just became that, a Jane Doe, you know? That is true. Or, alternatively, a little sadder, they could have taken her to get treatment and she could have gone septic. Yeah. I mean, she was impaled by this wood. I'm sure the wood wasn't clean when it went in. Right. You know, they put her in the basement she was there for, we know, 24 hours. At least, yeah. And nobody, nobody did. We don't know what they did to try to clean the wound or anything else. So, we assume they did some stuff, but we don't really know. And, like I said, this was in the 40s. So, you know, medically, were they doing the same things that they would be doing now? Right. And so, it is possible that they did take her to be treated and she didn't make it from her injuries. It's possible she had other injuries that they did not know about. Right. And she simply passed and then she was unclaimed. Thousands of people were hurt. So, you know, the doctors, I'm sure, had their hands full. So that is another theory that, you know, she did get treatment and it just wasn't successful. So, another theory is, and this is one that that was floated in some different places, is that the men had actually come to kidnap her with the thought that they would get a ransom. Um, Olin and Cleta May were not rich by any means, but they were not poor. They were fairly well off, and a theory was that they came with the intention of getting a ransom. Now, if that's true, they may have heard that Olin had died also and thought, well, there's nobody to get a ransom from. You know, and so maybe they did something to her. But is the best time to go after a ransom when everything in the town has been destroyed? Where is Olin getting this money even if he could? Right. Another theory is that these men were sent by someone else to specifically take Joan Gay. But why just Joan Gay? Okay, so I got some sub-theories on this. So, she was a cute little girl. Right. Maybe somebody heard both her parents were dead and wanted a kid. And they figured that they could get her. They knew that she would go to Aunt Ruth. She did have family she would normally be placed with. But maybe they were like, you know, this kid's cute. I want this kid. Yeah. And so they wanted to raise her as their own. You know, they thought she was an orphan. So there's that. Or, this is a little more nefarious. Maybe somebody wanted to eliminate her from the situation. The new wife or somebody in her family, maybe. Just a theory. 
So here's the thing. Jerry was Cleta May's daughter from a previous marriage. Right. She was not Olin's actually daughter. Gotcha. So, if Joan Gay was removed from the situation, Olin didn't have any kids anymore from this area. Huh. He did have a daughter from a previous marriage. Mm-hmm. But she lived with her mother. She was not involved in the situation. So, it would eliminate ties in the area to any other women or hmm. anything like that. So, like I said, just a theory. Or, could she have been taken as part of Georgia Tan's child trafficking ring? And if you're not familiar with that story, Georgia Tan ran the Tennessee Children's Home. And basically, she used that position to steal kids. And she would adopt them out or sell them. Mm. Um, she would sell them to farms. She would um, sell them for anything. She didn't really care. Whatever situation, she really didn't care. She was about making the money. And she would use terrible tactics to get kids. She would, a, a parent would bring a kid in to have medical treatment. And she would find out about it. She had doctors on the payroll. She would go and say, well, your kid didn't make it. Oh, my goodness. And then she would take the kid and air quote adopt it out or sell it. She even would go to daycares under the guise of being social services and remove kids from daycares. Oh my goodness. And take them from their parents to sell. She would go to mothers that were giving birth and, you know, back then they would take the child away and she would say, I'm sorry, your baby didn't make it. And, and would, she used all kinds of tactics to take kids. And so, she generally didn't work in that area. She mostly worked in Tennessee and Mississippi. But it's not that far-fetched. Because she was doing her activities between 1924 and 1950. Right. So, it was in this time period. And it is not that out of the question that she might have heard about this tornado and felt like there would be orphans right for the taking. Right. So, it's a little out there of a theory, but it's it's not it's exactly... It's a plausible theory. It is. I mean, she may have seen opportunity in this disaster and... You know, felt like, hey, let me go pick up some orphans, make some quick cash. Right. So, you know, that that's another theory. So, did that open up anything for you? <laughs> that's a crazy theory, but I like that one the most. I really do, because that, that makes sense. It does. It makes sense that she would say, oh, there's this huge tornado. Right. There's kids going to be, you know. Okay, so the problem with that theory is 
would she have been able to find out about the tornado and get there that quickly? True. And why wouldn't she take the eight-year-old? Right. Also. Because, I mean, the eight-year-old wouldn't have. Right. They it were just two kids. Just... And, and she wasn't above taking older kids. She wasn't just after babies. Like right. I said, she would go into the hospitals when a kid was having medical care or in daycares. She did prefer younger kids. But, I mean, I don't think she was above getting older kids either. Right. But, you know, that story in itself is sad because so many of these kids were taken and have no paperwork. Right. They have no way of tracing back their birth families or you even knowing where they came from. And they were literally stolen. Yeah. So that story in itself is a terrible story. So... Okay, before we go, though, I need to make some notes about this episode because it is a little sketchy because this happened 75 years ago. Right. Okay, so a lot of, and I'm sure you've run across this in stories you've looked up, mm-hmm. a lot of the small details change from source to source. Yes. And with it being 75 years ago, I don't think the newspapers verified information the way they're supposed to now. Um, So there were some things that, you know, just were details that were like, was it this or was it that? And I did everything I could to make sure that the, the sources were accurate but some of the, the things, you know, half of them would say this, half of them would say that. I just went with the most likely detail. Right. So, for instance, some sources said that Joan Gay had a, quote, splinter in her leg that was the size of a pencil. Some said it was the size of a broom handle. Given how small a four-year-old's leg is, a broom handle seems extreme. Yeah. So... It seemed unlikely, first, that it would go in. Second, that the hospital would not have treated it in a more timely manner. Right. So, I leaned more towards a pencil size because the broom handle really seemed a little extreme. Right. So, a lot of the sources listed Ruth as Cleta's sister. Mm-hmm. But, um, my wonderful friend, Alicia, Alicia Daly was able to track her back through ancestry sites yeah. and actually found out through census records that Ruth was Cleta's aunt, oh, not her sister. They were close in age. Yeah. That happens sometimes. So, but she was listed as, as Cleta May's sister, the girl's aunt. She was actually the girl's great aunt. So, um, that was another thing, and and we do know that that is a fact because of her doing the ancestry back and trying to figure it out. And we started the ancestry because we really were trying to figure out information about Jerry, because some of the sources had Jerry listed as Olin's daughter from a previous marriage, and those sources changed her age to make that work. They said she was 12, but she was 8, and most sources really said, yeah, she was 8, 
but some of them listed her as his daughter from the previous marriage and said she was 12. That daughter's name was Carol, and she was 12, and she lived with her mother. That was not Jerry. Right. So, but some of the sources listed it that way. So, um, I just kind of want to be transparent, and, um, you know, I did make every effort to make sure everything that I found was correct, but it, it was difficult with this one. So, I want to be transparent, and I'm hoping to avoid a lot of people going, oh, well, I heard it like this, or I heard it like that, because the details aren't, they're just not, you know, the major parts. Yeah are easy, but the small details change from source to source. Right. So, you know, what you heard may not be what I heard, but, you know, it doesn't make anybody necessarily wrong. I just went with the most likely options. And with cases that nobody's talking about, these details right. always, you know, I did one that the age changes three or four times depending on what source you're looking at. Right. You know? and, and also there's a lot of he said, she said back right. then. And, and that goes back to how Olin was pulled out of the house alive, but then it, it went back to Ruth that he was pulled out dead. Right. You know, it was a lot of he said, she said, and, and even in the story, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. That, you know, things were just mass chaos and, and nobody really, I guess, was paying attention to the details so i appreciate alicia helping me with that because we really did some work trying to find jerry who we never found by the way we never did find out what happened to her i assume she went to live with ruth but she was not listed in um in subsequent census records yeah. as living with ruth so we're honestly not sure what happened to her but i mean we looked and looked and we could not And find she her. wasn't with the dad? Um, we did not find her in any census records. We did not find her listed even as um as the mother's kid, as Cleta's child, on Find a Grave or Ancestry. We didn't even find her listed as her kid. We found um Joan Gay listed. Really? And Joan Gay is having been deceased the day of the tornado, but we know she wasn't. Wow. So, um, there was a lot of misinformation and, and odd information, but we really looked into it. We really spent a while trying to dig up information, and it was hard. It It really yeah. was, it was a lot more than I anticipated. Now, Aunt Ruth's daughter actually gave DNA yeah, to try to, if Joan Gay was kidnapped, um, where, you know, if they ever found her, they would be able to match DNA. And, and she did that as a victim's family years later. And it actually came in handy because a lady popped up and she said, you know, hey, I think I'm Joan Gay. And, and a lot of her story did match up and you know her description it matched up what? and they were able to compare the dna and she wasn't it, oh. it turned out she was somebody else and then years later somebody contacted a um a reporter and said that they felt like they were Joan Gay and and that they wanted to be tested and wanted to talk to him and tell their story 
and he said, you know, that's great, set up a time, and they never showed, and he never heard from them again. What? Was never able to contact them. Nobody knows what happened. So, there over the years have been some people popping up and saying, you know, hey, it could be me. But so far, they never found her. Nobody, no evidence. Mm. So, although this was 75 years ago, if you have any information on the disappearance of Joan Gaycroft, you can contact the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigation at 580-256-1771. If you'd like to know more about the case we discussed or to see our sources, please visit our website at unsolvedsouthpodca.wixsite.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at unsolved underscore south and join our Facebook discussion group where we invite you to share your thoughts, your theories, and to ask questions. If you have any story suggestions, please email us at unsolvedsouthpodcast at gmail.com. We will see you back here every other week for another episode. I'm so excited!